Welcome to the Irrelevant Podcast. I'm Nathan Jones, my co-host Alex Lewis. Back on this lovely Saturday for episode 43 with Brandon Sierra of Elevation Training Academy. Where okay, so you're in Connecticut, correct? That's but where at specifically in Connecticut? Because I get you and waffles kind of mixed up every now and then. He's up north. Connecticut's small, but yeah. I'm, I'm in New Britain, which is literally center of the state. Right. So we say C- no. CCSU Central Connecticut State University okay. is in New Britain. Okay. Because it's like, yeah, you say up north, but like Connecticut's, you could throw a rock and hit the other side from the southern side. Probably. How far are you from Mike in Canterbury? How far is Canterbury? It's funny you ask because I'm going up there. I don't know if you guys saw the, the DCF slips that he posted. Yeah. I'm doing one of those. So I'm nice. going to go and get some gifts off um, within the next week up to him. And I want to say it's like 45 minutes to an hour from me. It's like kind of on, I think if I remember correctly, it's like kind of on the Rhode Island border. So like the opposite end of the state for you, that is what you're saying is Connecticut's that small, right? Yep. Was that pretty much, did you guys always struggle with your state's tests when you had to like name all those little states up there and they got clustered together and you had like Vermont? No, they probably don't know the ones out here on the West, dude. What? Those are easier. They're bigger. Education, you know what they are. You give me you give me a fifty states blank map right now. I'm getting every last one of those sons of bitches. And uh, they're ca- New England. I'll struggle with a little bit. I'll get Vermont and fucking New Hampshire backwards or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you would like sometimes when you were learning them, you'd get them mixed up. But like Connecticut's just a square, just a little square. Pretty much. Yeah. I just lump it as in New England, and they're all assholes. So I don't have to really concern myself with that area of the country. I feel like are they pretty jerkish up there? They can be. If you <laughs> listen to Joe, he hates Connecticut. He's from Massachusetts. Oh, well, he's, and, yeah. People from Massachusetts have the nickname of Massholes. So yep. I don't know, Nathan. What do you think? You think they're friendly? I've actually never heard that, but I appreciate You've you, never heard of a Masshole? You learned, you learned me something today. Oh, no. man. Yeah. They're fucking people from Massachusetts or something else, bro. Okay. And then you got the crazy people in Vermont and New Hampshire that are a bunch of fucking pedophiles most of the time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, Brandon, how long have you been in Connecticut? Have you always been there? Or you lived there your whole life? Born and raised, yeah. Born and Born raised. Waterbury, Connecticut. What made you get into this space? Like, why did you decide, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, I knew from a young age that I wanted to work with athletes. Didn't necessarily know that it was going to be strength and conditioning. Um, once I got to high school, I had a friend who kind of mentored me. And I, I guess you could say I got lucky because he just threw all of Louis podcasts at me. We didn't really do like the traditional West side split where you're doing the max effort upper lower and then uh, dynamic stuff. We just didn't have the equipment. Right. And he's still learning himself. He was training more for powerlifting. I wanted to train myself for football because that's, that's what my background is. Um, went to CCSU, didn't like the school there. I'm, I'm anti-school. Um, <laughs> I tweeted recently and um, took a strength and conditioning class. I, did, I don't want to say copy and pasted, but like I kind of used a template from Westside Barbell, got a C on the project. Um, and that kind of turned me off to school because it's like, 
this stuff works. It was, it was just a mock periodization. I think, I, yeah, it was a mock periodization um, for a specific athlete playing a specific position in a specific sport. So yeah. I played DB. Um, I chose a DB. The professor was like, hey, you got to do full body all the time. That was that were that was the parameters um, on why he gave me a C on the project. Later on in my college career, he ended up being the dean of the exercise science program there, and I was just like, "This is a lose lose." Yeah. So there, I was just like, "All right, I'm done with school." Um, along with along with other things um, aside, but that was kind of what got me to where I am now, I guess. I have a kid. It's funny you say that. I have a kid that interned with me and he's going through some exercise science classes right now. And he sent me a question on one of his tests and it was like, which one of these exercises would you put first in a training program? And it was like power, clean, deadlift, squat, RDL. Like, which one would you put first? And I was like, power, clean. Power, yeah. Like based on the book, I would go like power clean, but I was like, wait a minute. What's what, what are the parameters here? Like, what are you trying to accomplish and things like that? He's like, no, it was just a straight up question. Like which one comes first? It's like, well, there's a lot of first, always uh, technique first. Yeah. That's what I I told him. I was like, you have to look at that stuff through the Olympic lens too. Cause that's what they're looking at everything through is like the Olympic lens sports lens. So yeah. the and what is it and nsca that's the nsca right yeah so you knew that that was not the path for you early on so did you leave did you just drop out of school or leave school completely and start your own thing or where'd you go from there so that was 20 my grades went down are you done all right my grades dropped dramatically um I just, I just stopped caring about school. I wanted to play football, but I stopped caring about school. So you can't play sports without the education side. Right. Um, so kind of just strung playing sports along as long as I could. And that was, that ended around 2016, 2017, 2018. I bought a sled and I was training a kid out of the trunk of my car. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. 45 pound plates. Um, there you go. Uh, he ended up going to a junior college. Uh, he was named starter and a captain as a walk on. Didn't play any high school football. Um, he played receiver. He was one of those kids that, that he was 5'5 five, five until his senior year. And now he's 6'2. Oh, God. Yeah. That's a so, hell of a growth spurt. I wish that happened to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I got started. So you were only doing sled work with him? Or were you just doing stuff that like Louis talked about in the book, or were you doing sprints? Like sled, sled work, little like I was. Do- <laughs> I've been looking into feed the cats a lot lately, and I <laughs> I was kind of doing similar stuff like that, like three, four uh, max effort sprints a couple of times a week at right. most, just, just testing them. Um, at this point, I didn't have a laser and I told him, I was like, Hey, this isn't going to be 100% exact, but you're going to be pretty close depending on where you are to running in the force right. with just a stop. Like I said, this is 2018. I was working with this kid. Um, 
but he owed the school that he went to previously 10 grand. So couldn't play, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is a kind of like a prelude into why I want to do a podcast geared towards recruiting because there's so many kids in Connecticut that just don't know this type of stuff. Right. Well, I'm sure it's probably all over the country, right? Like most kids don't know shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even like you, there's a lot of prep schools. You guys had, um, what's his name? He's at, he's at your gym, Alex Delta. What is it? Oh, Cooper? Cooper? Yeah. Went to Avon Old Farms. There's a lot of really good prep schools in Connecticut that get some highly recruited kids. And then, um, right. There's, there's kids in Connecticut that are talented. They just travel outside of Connecticut a lot of the times too. Um, it's just, they don't know what the hell to do. Right. That sounds like something you need to talk to Max, the guy that we had on. He's doesn't he work at, he works in the recruiting. So like he's, he tries to educate kids on like the recruiting path and like what they he should do. Educates college students on how not to be broke. Right. Oh, that's what true. a lot of it is. Yeah. It's, it's the next level past college. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking so it's how you can be an athlete in college and not end up a loser outside Dirt of college. Poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's basically yeah. what he does. He, he bridges that gap for him. That'd be a good and one. Like, with all the athletes, he's the one that has the courses on that teaches them the finance stuff and things like that. Okay. Yeah, he'd be a good one to talk to for sure. Which is actually Cooper's business partner for his gym, ironically enough. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> small world of Colorado out there. You guys are all connected. Jeez. Dude, it's a small world in general. How do you think I get anybody on this podcast? Yeah, very true. It's a pretty tight net group, it seems like, or at least all of us that seem to follow some of the same stuff. You mean the people that actually give a shit? <laughs> so you you trained this kid. Did you did he bring you other clients like with the success that he was having or just kind of word of mouth or what kind of led you to training multiple people after this guy was having the success that he was having? Um I was I, I was a I was split in time between training him completely on my own and being a personal trainer at a CrossFit gym, I was the only personal trainer there. Um, started working with a lacrosse girl. She ended up doing really well. Um, from there, the end goal, keep in mind, end goal was always to have my own gym. Right. That was that. So like just slowly but surely working my way towards making that happen. Right. Um, so lacrosse girl, then, you know, I don't I think... I think um, early on, you kind of just accept anybody, personal training, sure. uh, athletes, whoever. So 2020 rolls around. <laughs> Signed the lease for my gym in February, not knowing that. Oh, no. Just come around and Ouch. the world closed. Um, Could have been a bitch about it and said, hey, I'm not going to take the space anymore. You guys could keep the deposit but i'm too stubborn and and uh want it more so that basically brought me where i am today how hard was that early early parts of covid like how bad did you kind of second guess like oh boy what am i doing why am i doing this type of thing no that was never even a thought yeah i was like i'm, I'm too stubborn it gave me a lot of time i, I think had 
had the world not shut down, I wouldn't have had the time because I I'm you guys know me. I'm Facebook Marketplace. My whole gym is Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't finance anything. I own everything in here. Um, but it gave me a time to basically travel around New England to go and pick up equipment all the time. And that's then, that's what's crazy about COVID. Everything was either super expensive or everyone was trying to get rid of it. So it was like, okay, yeah. there's a lot of stuff out there. I felt yeah. like that. And I, like, I plead my case all the time. I work with kids. Like I'm not trying to spend three times the retail price on something that's yeah. sold out. That usually works. And it's not like I'm lying or trying to make anybody feel bad. It's just, it's the reality. Yeah. I remember getting my reverse hyper during COVID and it was like 300 bucks or something like that. And they were like, Titan's like $800 model. I was like, yep. Can't wait for this. Well, and that was the time too. They were sending out all the refund checks too. And I was trying to get some gym equipment at the time. So I was just like, well, this is a good thing to invest my money in, I feel like, because the government's going to tax me on it later. So I might as well just put an investment on it. So I was just investing in equipment with that money at the time. But that was Did always... you guys notice an influx in business because everyone had free money and now everyone's fucking broke? Like, yeah. is it just me that notices that? Oh, or is yeah. That a, is that a countrywide thing where oh, everybody no. was like getting free money everyone was spending it willy-nilly and now inflation hit because they didn't know where the money was coming from and boom uh it's like everything's come to a halt almost yep spot on yeah huh who would have thought that was gonna happen <laughs> yeah you can't just print money people it doesn't fix your problems <laughs> no no we so, tried to make it back to the question though 2020 didn't it didn't slow me down much at all yeah kind of it kind of was a blessing in disguise for sure was connecticut but, I mean, was it were they pretty strict on that stuff like covid rules and i mean I was just about to say that yeah so like the the owner of the building that i'm in it, you, the building that i'm in is huge it's like a mile long and the the building stretches the entire mile holy um, moly so yeah, I'm just a small piece, and it's it's one owner. You would think it's a big business. It's a family-owned business. Um, Generational was, wealth. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I don't care if as long as you know you're being smart about it, you could still have people come in and train, and I did. Did you feel like people were looking for you as an outlet during that time period? Like, did, did a lot of people kind of come talk to you or did you have to do a lot of outreach during that time? How did people uh, kind of find you? It was all, it was all like word of mouth, family, friends, or just good friends in general. And that's, that's why I said it starts off as kind of just personal training because my friends are older and retired athletes. They're not, they're not playing sports anymore. I don't even have any friends. So, yeah, what are friends? <laughs> yeah. Are those things you have in life and not just on Instagram? Because I only have friends on Instagram, I think. <laughs> I guess I'm lucky. <laughs> or yeah. maybe you just have a good personality. I was about I to I say, so. yeah, maybe you just actually talk to people and interact with them, unlike us. Uh, it's possible. We, it's this possible. is our this is our weekly interaction, Brandon. This is how we... <laughs> I, I re retract my statement. I buy my friends because I go to seminars, and that's how I make friends. So that's go. that's that's the way I've networked is paying for it. Yeah, you're doing that today, right? Yeah, I'm doing it all weekend. So, yeah. Uh, side note: Are you going down to Fort Lauderdale? 
Am I? I would love to go, but I don't think so because I'm going to try to go to Utah and compete. So I'm trying to. Also, I think that's the same month that the dude we just had on is having his conference in Vegas, and I'm a sucker for Vegas. And so <laughs> it's Vegas uh, for Lauderdale. You're going to pick Vegas. Usually, yeah, that's why I was hoping we'd have another rally point in Vegas because that that's my jam. Like, let's fuck around and have a good time and you know whatever. But no, I want to go down there because I follow what is, what is his name Ahmed. Right, I'm at it. Yeah, like his gym looks sick. It looks like it'd be a fun time to go. So it I don't looks know. like this. I know. Yeah. yeah, it looks like it'd be a good time. But I don't know. I would like to go. You know where I want to go, dude? I want to go to Korea. I want to mm. go visit those guys. Yeah, they're fucking killing it. I don't know if you follow any of them on Instagram, but they are West Side <laughs> till they die, and they've never. I don't even think been to the states. Most of them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really I follow him. I don't really keep up much of what what's been going on there. There's one dude, his username is Monster Farm, and you should just follow him because like he is literally doing everything you would see Louis have people do for the most part. It's hilarious. I'm like, this is awesome. Like he's just fully gone into it. Falls deep. Damn. Like they even have a don't tread on me flag in their gym. That's funny. That's how West Side they've become. I'm like, that's amazing. Does that yeah. even apply there? No, they don't have the Marines, but it's okay. Fuck it. Like, yeah, it's just the, the the it's the statement you're making. Yeah, the principle of it. I exactly. love that. Yeah. So is the Fort Lauderdale? Is that another conjugate tactical seminar? Is that where that's going on? Yep. It'll be the first yeah. one of next year. That's how you guys met, correct? Yep. Yep. Good old conjugate tactical, which I think is probably one of the better seminars to go to, especially for networking purposes. Like yeah. Education-wise, if you read a lot of Louis' books, you're just going to be review, but networking, you get to meet so many cool people. Yeah, so I'll kind of touch on that a little bit. So I did the Conjugate Tactical um, seminar. I think I did it in 2020 or 21. I want to say 2020 um, in the fall. And I, that, I wanted to do that specifically because I've never been in person with somebody who either was like directly there for a long time or just there at all. So it was, it was more reassurance than anything else. Like Alex said, you know, you're just, you're going to just review, but it's also one of those things where it's like, are you doing the right things? And then you soon realize that there's not really anything that's right or wrong. It's kind of just stay in the principles my favorite analogy that Gus uses is conjugate is like Mexican food. It's all the same ingredients and you can dish it up any way you want. You want enchiladas, you can have enchiladas. You want tacos, you can have tacos. You want burritos, you can have burritos. But it's still rice, beans, meat, cheese, you know, the simple yeah. things. Yeah. 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 So that that was that was the I guess my first real introduction aside from the mentor that I had when I was in high school. Did you do your first one in Indiana at Gus's gym? Yep. Okay. That's and then I met you at the one in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to Gus's, you do, have you done the death ski yet? Oh, yeah. I've done the death ski. I just, I don't ever know how long to do it for. And then like, so I'm doing it the other day, right? And we have that spud strap for the belt squat. And it's really yeah. long. And I'm like, all right, this should be fine. No, every time I go to stand forward, it just crushes my balls. I was like, all right, well, this setup is not working for me. I need to figure something out. It was so bad because I wanted to keep doing it, but I'm like, I'm not going to rupture a testicle 
saying that I did the death ski. Like, what, it's not that cool. What is the death ski for those who do not know? <laughs> it is the belt squat combined with the skier at the same time. Whoa. So getting all kinds of hip work while doing that hip hinging motion that I already do on the fucking skier. And it's just a total body fuckery, basically. Like, so it's, it's just it sucks. Ripping your hips down the entire time while you're rowing. Yeah, well, while you're trying to ski, ski right? Thing. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Like, imagine trying to cross country ski while getting yanked behind you <laughs> the whole time. Essentially, is what's happening. Oh, for five minutes. How much weight do you have on the belt squat when you do that? I was only doing with fifty pounds the other day. I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was just keeping it simple. <laughs> yeah, and I was doing intervals of forty-five on and a minute off. I was going to do it for twenty minutes. So was was my plan. Was the plan initially, and you got to five? Well, because it was crushing my balls. Last time I did it, it was a 15-minute interval thing. So I did nine intervals last time. And it's fucking, it sucks. It's it's max calories for five minutes, and I threw up. Yeah, mm. that's that's the tactical way of doing it. I am a much bigger pussy than all of those people. So I elected to, you know, make my own version because I'm a bitch. I mean, what's max calories? Like, how many? what do they determine that by? That's calories really is like a wattage thing converted over oh, it's like okay. how much energy you've expended like there's a dude here in colorado that can do 100 calories on the assault bike in 60 seconds oh my god and when i do 100 calories on the assault bike it takes me 20 minutes for my steady state cardio so to put that into perspective okay you, yeah that makes so sense. yeah we that's uh yeah calories are a fucked up thing because you'll say like in i think a lot of times in crossfit they'll do like 10 15 calories sprints right Right. Right. So you figure in five minutes, you're going to be wrecked because you're really just going balls deep in it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I was just like, what the heck? Yeah. That sounds miserable. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was probably like, I'm, I'm, my background is football. Five, six seconds. Give me 40 seconds rest, not five minutes straight. I was dead. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm built for that. That's why I don't do that shit. I'm I'm good. I I know my body. Yeah, it's I finished. Not, it's not a cardio machine. No, not at all. Uh-uh. It's well, funny. I got a kid that came in the other day, and his travel team sent their training program that they wanted to start in January or whatever. And like the first thing was like, work up to a two mile run over four weeks. So it's like every day they have to start working up towards this two mile run for baseball, and I'm just like. I mean, you can do it if you want. I'm going to tell you you shouldn't. I, I just tell you that right now. Like, if you want to impress your travel team and show them that you, you're not going to be tested on that. Like, I don't know why you... I think they do that just because they want these kids to do anything at all. But it's like, holy cow, two minute, two miles for a freaking <laughs> baseball run? Like, what are we doing? Like, it's incredible. He's like, I told him, I was like, you want to bet that if you continue to start doing this, that you're going to probably throw the ball slower over time, like over the time that you do this, I bet you don't throw the ball as hard if you actually commit yourself to this because you're going to slow your body down, to be honest. But he didn't, it, it, it was funny because he's like, yeah, like, I'm like, what do we do every other day? Like, do we do conditioning stuff? He was like, yeah, we pull the sled pretty often. And I'm like, how long do we do that for? He's like, anywhere from a half mile to a mile. And I'm like, there you go. So like, why do you need to throw in this two mile run on top of that? So it's cardio. Yeah. The, everyone goes over the top with cardio. I feel like it's just such a, like, even in football, have you see that a lot with like football guys and like the amount of cardio they do in the off season and in season and things like that, or like the, we're going to make you tough runs and things like that. Yeah. 
what's what's the youngest that you guys work with because you guys probably know i work with some young kids um i've had nine-year-olds before but i don't have any currently all right so i have this kid who is five when he started with me he's seven now um he'll go he'll go to basketball practice um he's a big kid his mom is like six two so he's a he's a seven year old that looks like he's 10, 11. Right. right. Um, but like you guys seen young kids, they're not the most coordinated. So this kid, he's been with me for a while. Couldn't jump on a 12 inch box when he first started. He's he can easily get on a 30 at seven years old. Um, but he's he's so much more coordinated and cardio is never an issue. And we do zero cardio. Right. Zero like true cardio. True cardio. You know? Yeah. So like clusters work well. That's pretty much all football is. It's clusters. All, all ball sports pretty much are just clusters. Play with the rest periods. Um that's pretty much it. But yeah, um going back to some of the other kids, like I I have a whole group of middle school kids. Um they made it pretty damn far into playoffs um i don't know about you guys where you are do you guys do pop warner or ayf neither it's just like whatever youth group they can throw together here they do a yeah, lot of so they do a lot of like like schools will build their programs and then they'll play other schools you know so okay so up here in the northeast it's american youth football or it is pop warner and the the middle school group of kids they were one or two games away from going to florida for nationals um leading up to their regional championship game one of the parents said oh they're running them so much i'm like and because the parents are the there are a lot of them are on board with like what i say not that i'm trying to like brainwash them but i'm like hey this is what you're going to experience um with coaches they don't know strength and conditioning most right. of the time. Right. Um, and that's that's a big that's like the huge part of my consultation process. It's like an hour long. And I'm just like, hey, this is this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is what to expect. Um, and it's 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 just crazy what they'll come back to me saying they did at practice sometimes. It's just always like, interesting. Right. Always interesting. Yeah. I'm, I don't know how you guys handle it. I kind of just say, oh. It's going to slow you down kind of in one ear and out the other for me. Um, right. Cause I know at the end of the day, just making them strong is going to keep them ahead of the pack. Um, and it's going to kind of level, you guys know it's going to level the playing field. So two of the kids on that team um, just got better as the season went on when it almost seemed like everybody else was getting worse. Like Wait, getting fast improvements in season. Who said, when did that happen? That's not a thing you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> Yeah. So one of the kids or they both they both played running back. One of them was the lead blocker for the other. Um, but it, as the season went on, it looks like they're getting shot out of a cannon compared to everybody else at the snap of the ball. Do they have oh. what's the strength and conditioning landscape like in Connecticut? Like are schools pretty you said there's a lot of prep schools. So I'm, a, I'm guessing they have some pretty fairly dedicated monetary value to like that position or or no. Or I mean. Is the is the landscape pretty good there, or is private sector pretty popular around you? Private sector is more popular than I thought it was when I 
first started it because I was the only person aside from like I didn't even know Mike had his gym in Connecticut. Did not even know that <laughs> until I started following Anthony. Right. Um so yeah. And then there's there's Waffle. Didn't know he was in Connecticut until that I think that that Instagram group message with Khalil. Um and then there's another guy that's not too far from me and he he works specifically with the high school and he's got um private clients as well. So private sector is definitely there's some there's some quality guys and girls. Um but the high schools, whether it's prep school or not, I don't know what Cooper's experience was when he was at Avon. Um but I have I have two prep school kids and they don't like they don't lift heavy in season and that's for me that's a big no no. Like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm pretty sure Cooper went down the rabbit hole himself and that's why he became a strength coach. So I'm going to assume that what they had was not necessarily the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like sometimes bad coaching, you, you, what is the saying? No coaching is better than bad coaching sometimes. Right. Yeah. So the school, so I don't know if you guys saw the kid that was walking behind me like 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, his coach likes to do CrossFit stuff. So I'm just like, <laughs> seems to check he out. Me, he has Fittest me as a resource. On the earth. Yeah. He has me as a resource. And I'm just like, you know, I, all it takes is like a couple of hours to sit down and have a conversation and say literally the same thing that I talk with the parents. If a parent can understand what I'm saying, and know that a lot of running is going to slow you down. Why can't a football coach? You know, eh, that's how we've so, always done it, and we're going to continue to always do this way. Especially if we win, because then if we change something and we don't win, then it's a problem. So, mm-hmm. yeah, coaches are always set in their ways. We're stuck in their ways. It seems like for the most part, or they're just obsessed with their ego and don't realize it. Like, how big is that a problem in this goddamn industry of like, <laughs> oh, I want to reinvent the wheel. And it's like, well, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to apply the principles that we know really well. And usually people seem to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, so It's all out there. It's, there. it's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Um, some of the some of the prep schools have a sport coach that runs the strength and conditioning programs. Um, the only school that I think has someone legit, but that person ends up leaving and going somewhere bigger, which I feel like that's normal, is Cheshire Academy. Um, I want to say so one of the small running backs, like a LaShawn McCoy went there or something like that years and years ago. Some, some, I forget exactly who. I'll have to dig it up at some point. But um they've always had a pretty good strength and conditioning program. But when I went, so I took my nephew there when he was in eighth grade, had a conversation with the coach, the strength and conditioning coach, while he was talking with the football coach. And he was like, you know, the, the sport coaches don't really um, let them have free reign. So it's, it's kind of like the colleges where you're working for the sport coach rather than, working for the athletes right so it's it's 
similar dynamic, which I mean, that makes sense because prep school is preparing you for college. Mm -hmm. So it's it's almost like a lesser college. We need to make an IMG Academy that is just conjugate only. That's what we need to do and just create the biggest freaks in the country because something like IMG obviously has a a formula for making freaks because you have people that pay to have their kids turn into freaks, but I bet the training could probably be better. (laughs) I think Brian, Brian's trying to do that. It seems like up in Wisconsin, like he's trying to pump out a bunch of facilities like that, that train conjugate style training. So it's out there. Yeah, but we need like a destination Mecca, like IMG, like everyone will move. I had a client who literally sent her kid to Florida. They stayed here. And he's like, yeah, she, he's going to go play at IMG. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. It's cool. It's crazy. Just need an 80,000 square foot facility. And then we can all just coach there together and just get on the same page and just coach kids. Right. That's what I'm saying. We can make sick. a conjugate Mecca fucking training facility. Like Adam Miller was just telling me and one that IMG has like a nicer facility than pretty much every college. Right. Yeah. Like, and I guess, you know what their big ticket item is at IMG? You know what sport it is? Baseball. Nope. Nope. I don't know. Tennis. That's growing exponentially right now. He said said when he was down there, like the fucking tennis was like off the chain. He's like, they'd be in there in their fucking uniforms. And it's like little ninth grade girls just in the squat racks everywhere. Like, like, that's pretty cool. Did you see? I think it was Zingler maybe tweeted it. The tweet about like percentages of where the participation levels are. And it's like, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like it was like 20 something percent of males are no longer participating in sports past like 14. Um, Baseball is down like 30 percent. Tennis is up by like 30 percent. Golf is up by like 30 percent. So it's like your traditional sports, sports, huh? Everyone's getting tired of the team thing. Football is down. I think football is like down 14 percent or something like that. So it's like, yeah, everyone's moving away from those and just kind of going into the do it on my own type of thing. Yeah. So 30, 30, 40 year plan. That's, that's kind of the name of my gym. So I would love to do something like that one day. Like logistically, I'd have a lot of figuring out to do, but that's why the name elevation training Academy is what it is. How many, that's awesome. Yeah. How many, how many current people do you work with right now? Um, the exact number. Give me one second, and I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, you turn it to uh, Elevation Conjugate Academy. Yeah, not as many as you would think. That's okay, because I get that question all the time. Like, how many people do you train? How many people do you train? I'm like, not that many. They're like, don't you want like two hundred? Tell people twenty, and they look at me like I'm fucking. I'm like, how many did you think I was going to train? Like, yeah. Uh, I'm one coach. It's about quality, not quantity. I was like up to 40 at one point. I'm like, this is just not manageable very well. Like I can't give you the quality of service that I want to give. Yep. I got 32. Nice. Awesome number. Yeah. Great number. That 30 to like 40 range seems to be okay. I think poor Cooper inherited like 80 kids helping the high school here. Yeah. Because he's got the lacrosse team and the football team. I'm like, oh, dude, fuck that. That sounds like fucking chaos. Are they coming to him, by the way? Because I know he was training a few of those kids. So they do both. Him and Alex will go to the school and train them. So most of the kids get training at the school. And then the ones who really are serious will come to the gym and get extra training. So they're just giving them a pretty basic base at the school, I'm guessing. And then more 
more intensive stuff when they get there or just more specific uh, stuff? I would say just more volume when you come to the gym. I don't know that necessarily the the level of what you're doing changes that much because like they make it so that they build on top of each other. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. Right. Like I would think what they're doing at the school is stuff you can do. And then if you come to the gym, you're going to get like extra secondary stuff that's going to help build with all the primary things you're already learning. Gotcha. Do you have to do that a lot with your group, Brandon? Because you just have to be like, you're waiting on these kids to come to you after they've been training at school and just have to listen to what they've done. And like, you're just trying to work around that. Or do most of them just kind of like half-ass what they're doing at school because you've been really good at communicating like, hey, don't really do anything there. So then when you come here, we can really get after it. Or how do you manage that expectation for your your clients? I think the way that I would word it is that the school half-asses the work that they're doing with the kids. And when they come here, there's, the second you attach a number to something, it doesn't matter what it is, it becomes a video game for them. Right. What sounds better, a 20 inch vertical or a 21? 21 or a 21, you know? Right. So take it a lot more serious. And and again, like my, my process with the kids is, hey, not every coach is like this, but a majority of the time you're going to be doing three sets of 10 and that's all bodybuilding stuff. So you're going to get big. You're going to, you might get strong, but you're going to increase your size. So relative strength isn't really going to improve. You're going to nine times out of 10, you're going to stay the same or go backwards. Right. You might improve a little bit, you know, like you're going to get those kids that, that just respond well to anything for sure. But a majority of the time it's the, the coaches half-assing because they don't know what to do. Right. But they know they have to do something. I, I always see kids like, I don't want to say that like, like what you're saying, anything that they do, it seems like it works sometimes, right? Cause their kids and their adaptations are just all over the place and you can just stimulate them with anything and they'll grow. Right. But like, what I see the most when they come to me is, hey, my shoulder hurts. Hey, my hip hurts. Hey, my elbows are hurting. You know, my back is hurting. Like, I see a lot of, like, things that are almost overuse or too much volume or things like that. That it's like, okay, so when they come to me, I'm like, how can I improve this area? So even if they are getting crushed at school, you know, we're still chipping away to help them make a little bit better gains. You see a lot of that stuff when they come to you as far as, like, too much volume, making them sore, making them hurt, making their joints kind of feel like they need some work or limited mobility or what do you, do you see a lot of that stuff? Uh, <laughs> I kind of, I pull a lot of what I do from Jared because right. we're not, he's gotten so much success. So like one of his things that he says, and I say it to the guys here and the girls here is that your feelings don't matter. So like how what like what you feel is like like how many times you got a kid that comes in and they're like my legs are sore, my back hurts, and but they'll hit records on literally everything. Right. From from jumps to accessories. Mm-hmm. They'll hit records. No, that happens all the time. So sorry, buddy, your feelings don't matter. <laughs> Just like everyone says, no one cares, work harder. Yeah, How yeah long- obviously, like, within reason, for right. sure, like everything with a grain of salt. 
Um, yeah, it's it's there's work that needs to be done. You're not you're not going to get better if you're constantly hurt or beat up. So I, I love the one though. They'll come to me and like it'll be like I have a scheduled bench press day or upper body day or something, and they're like halfway through you can just tell they don't have it like they don't have the juice today and then you're like what did you do today like what's your day look like and they're like yeah we did a one rep max bench press already today and i'm just like <laughs> useful <laughs> no, useful I've, information I've had, like i've had kids do that and still come in and hit records yeah i like it may be like a small record but it's still something mm -hmm. but that's just that's kids too like yeah, you, like we were psychopaths cover from anything that and and like you got to take into consideration they're probably not being pro taught proper technique either so like they may hit a record at the school but like like specific, like bench press bench press is pretty tough to teach young yeah. kids because yep. they're squirming around they're moving around um there's there's a lot of pieces how, how how do you teach a kid to use their legs while they're bench pressing they're going to look at you like you're crazy yeah I had my college athlete send me a video of him benching yesterday. He's like, how's this look? Any, any technique tips? And you know, it was a decent gym bro bench. And I'm like, it's fine for right now, but I go, I can't teach you the most technical lift in powerlifting via text message. I go, if you really want to think about it, I go row it to your chest, push yourself across the room and push the bar, push yourself away from the bar. And I'm yeah. like, I know none of that makes any fucking sense to you. So I'll see you on Christmas break. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you kind of an example of one of the kids that I work with. He's 11. He's in eight days. He'll be with me for a year, December 6th, 17th, I believe, 16th or 17th. He'll have been with me for a year. He couldn't really bench the bar when he started and he could barely squat a hundred pounds. We're talking an 11 year old kid. Um, <clears throat> I think he got up to 140 for bench. He's a big kid. He's a big kid. Um, and squatted, box squatted 255 on safety squat bar. So like, but he'll he'll still come in. Like yesterday, for instance, he was in. I can't do this or I can't do that. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Like, you've done it before, time and time again. Every once in a while he'll come in. He'll have he'll have something. Yeah. It's like a pity party almost. I, yeah. I think Hoff talks about this. It's all mental. Right. Yeah. Or like Louie will say, heaven and hell, it's both in your mind. Yeah. 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 I think I think one of the things what Hoff says is what's 405 feel like. That's what my one rep max feels like. You know, yeah. kind of yeah. using that reference. It's the same. It's the same. Um actually I, I think Massonomics just made a sweatshirt that made a lot of sense. It's like weight it either you, heavy is a feeling and then what the fuck was the other part it was heavy is a feeling and then i don't remember weight is a number that's what it is weight's a yeah. number and heavy is a feeling mm -hmm. it is what it is that's 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 it pretty how, much how long ago did you come across um bidney stuff and like how much of what bidney does have you kind of incorporated into your own system and your own program so i I have a probably like 50 minute drive every day back, like not, not one way, but like right. back and forth from home to the gym. Right. So, and I have two young kids. 
and they nap in the car. So I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. I've probably listened to every single thing that he put out multiple times. Right. Like two or three times. Um, so I was just talking with one of the coaches that's in my area about it and how I changed so much from when I first started listening to him to now. And I talked to Fahey quite a bit too. Um, so I bounce ideas off of him, uh, especially like the stuff that he talks about with Bird. I kind of transitioned to training how, similarly to how he trains. Mm -hmm. um, but the stuff with Bidney, I used brief maximal tension and I still do now just in a different way for just maybe like six months before he put the book out right so brief maximal uh, brief maximal tension five six days a week with some of the kids so the three upper body days three lower body days just alternating um I think at the time we were jumping three times a week. So I don't know. I I don't know if you guys have the book, but I'm not gonna not yet. put all his information. I'm not gonna put all his information out. The book is is well worth the read. Yeah. Um but yeah, I used that. That was yeah. like my entire programming for a long time. Right. You guys think brief maximal tension is like one of the most underutilized techniques there is? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a lot of people do it without even realizing it. Right. Sure. Yeah. So like, like, um, especially with kids, like you don't want to use tens all the time. You don't want to use 10 reps, especially for like whatever they're doing first, because you're still trying to build the central nervous system. So you need that brief maximal tension, which is, it's just a sub method of the max effort method. You know, they just need more reps. They're not going to be able to strain the same way that three of us are able to strain. No. So right. I use it with people that are just not highly trained at all because I don't have that many kids. And it seems yeah. from a mental standpoint that it allows them to develop the comfort of having that shitty position and having a lot of weight there or with relative weight to them, right? And they really learn how to like, you know, push through it and deal with it. Because like by that last set, if you're doing it right, right, those are fucking grinders. Like yep. they should be struggling and pushing to get through it when they can do it with a weight that they're not scared of. It seems to translate better into those bigger, scarier weights in the end. Right. Right. Uh, that in, in, um, Fahey says it all the time, you know, you're going to have a kid that can bench 95 smooth, but 100 folds. them. It's stapled to their chest. So like, that's, that's kind of the demographic that I work with too. Like, I work with a lot of young kids. I have more middle school and elementary school kids than I do high school kids. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's nice. Seems like it'd be fun. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of people would rather work with the high school kids in my area. It seems like high school kids have all the answers and I'd rather work with the younger kids. If I give the younger kids a great experience, then they're going to be with me for the next four plus years. When you're giving them good habits out of the gate, so you don't have to unfuck them. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. I helped the powerlifting team at CU and like, I just watch and I'm like, there's so much work to be done to 
unfuck all these ideas that you think are working that are just getting you injured and you think that's just part of powerlifting when it doesn't have to be yeah yeah for sure yeah all but, the all the high schoolers are just a bunch of jackasses too like they just they always want to talk back and they always think they know everything and I'm like, why do I even say anything to you? Because every time I say something to you, you have some smart-ass response to say right back to me. And it's like, okay, fine. I don't, I don't give a shit. You know what? You want to run your two-mile program? Go right ahead. Go ahead. And then I'm going to still put you under that barbell over here in about you know, however long, 30 minutes it takes you to run those two miles. Come right back in. We're putting you under the squat bar. Good luck. Then we'll see if you really want to run those two. You know, like I just, At some point, you just have to give them what they're... If they're being assholes about, you're just like, all right, here we go. Let's try it. Let's do it your way, buddy. It's never fun. They never enjoy that. They're like, okay, I'll listen to you I mean, now. I think it's kind of fun, especially when it works out exactly how you tell them it's going to work out. Right. And then you go, all right, yeah. how'd that go for you? Yeah. And then you go, mm, you really want to run those two miles now? Or do you want to shut up and listen to me since I've put, dude, yeah, the one kid. I've got this kid that's a baseball guy right now. And it's like, year and a half ago, you were at 62. Two, a week ago, we were at 82. We've gained 20 miles per hour on your damn fastball in a year and a half. And you, now this random sports, program that you're going to do this summer this travel team just randomly sends you this workout program and you think it's the fucking gospel and i'm just like all right buddy i'm done with you like whatever do what you want and then come back to me when you want to throw the ball hard again like it just uh makes me so mad like shut up yeah, yeah the, you know what i just learned today nathan you can ask them what they expect of you and then you can be more on an agreeing page of expectations Maybe you're just not delivering their expectations and the results aren't enough of an expectation for them to care. This kid's now playing college baseball and he had no shot a year ago. So I don't I'm not saying I understand. I know what you're saying because I believe results should speak for themselves. <laughs> yeah, they just but don't. There's clearly an ego that we deal with inside of people. Gosh. And if they don't feel like their needs are being met, they're not going to care about the results, which is the shitty part. So you have to be like, OK, what do you expect from me? Like, OK, well. I just yeah. let him run his two miles at my gym. Here you go. Here's the facility. You can pay me your programming fee. And there we go. There you go. have fun, buddy. There's the treadmill. <laughs> oh man. The, the best thing I think with the, the middle school kids is there is no ego yet. Yeah. From a perspective. So like there, there's no ego, there's no bad habits. So they're, they're extremely moldable. Yeah, the true blank I'm slate. I'm trying to make some carbon copies of each other. Yeah, but like, like, you know, this is where where coaching comes in. You got to know the personality of the kid that you're working with. You got to know what makes them tick. What's gonna basically shut them down? Not every kid is gonna respond to the same things. Um, and then just making them coach each other, and that's that's ultimately what what makes the gym run. Because like, it's chaos in here sometimes. That's so probably you where they learn the most, though, right? Too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They'll all auto-regulate. You know, trash talking. They'll get going. <laughs> hey, you're shit while you're doing rows. So get your weight up. <laughs> I, I, From a I, leadership standpoint, yeah. that's a really good way to get people to become leaders, right? Is because they're holding each other accountable and they're setting examples themselves and different things like that. So if you have a dictatorship in the gym where you're calling all the shots and nobody can do anything without you. That's going to probably backfire on what you're trying to do when you're trying to create good humans and athletes. Yeah. And it just, it also limits what it limits what you can do 
and how many kids you can train simultaneously. Um, so just create little mini coaches. So like like the I have that seven year old that I was telling you. So I'll I'll give you the example of today. I had a seven year old. I had a thirteen year old eighth grader, uh, sophomore, and a college freshman and one of the fighters that I worked with all working at the same time, doing something similar, but different. Um, but everybody's going to gravitate towards the young kid. So be the young kid's hype man. And that's going to be, the, that's going to kind of set the tone for the energy. In the yeah. room. Yep. Everybody wants to see the seven-year-old succeed. So you see that seven-year-old succeed, that energy is going to rub off on everybody else. How's, how is the, um, how's your fighters training going? I know that you, you posted quite a bit about him. Is he the only one that you currently work with or is it, is it multiple or just him? He's yeah. the only one that I work with. Um, how long have you been working with him again? February at the end of January, early February will be two years. He's seen some, uh, pretty rapid growth from what you post every now and then and some of the stuff you post. So. What what's kind of the process been with him? Um, I started him off with brief maximal tension for the first year and a half, and I just started training him with more of like the two max effort days, and we only use one dynamic lower day. I don't. I a lot of people on that three day system they'll swap out or they'll double up on the dynamic day because you guys had you had fill on. A few weeks ago, right? Right. I think what he does, or I, the idea I got of what he does is he'll he'll do a combination of the dynamic day, right? Is that right? Seems to be, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so with him, he's he's. It's like anything else that I do with the kids here. It's minimal effective dosage. So if he's if he's seeing progress with one day, I'm not going to overload him and have him double up on that second dynamic or that second upper body day being the dynamic day. He's making tremendous progress just with that max effort day. Right. So how's it, how's um, the carryover been into his fights just from him increasing his levels of strength? So with him, he's got the skill from a sport perspective. He just, he didn't have the power or the strength at all. When he first started with me, I think he squatted 185 to a 12 inch box, which is like, you you got no power there. So now he's upwards of 305, 315, depending on the bar. And um, he's not a big weight class either for reference. He's a, how, What's he fight at? 135. Yeah. So his relative strength has gone up significantly. <laughs> Yeah. So he's, he's, he's getting to the point where he's going to have a hard time fitting into 135, And that's, that was a two year process to get him there. Um, so yeah, relative strength um, improved. I, there's not an exact number, but depending on, it really just depends on the lift. So like the, the biggest, I want to say the biggest thing that I look to track with him is a sumo deadlift off of, um, four mats and that he's got three times his body weight one third three times his fight weight i should say 
Um, he got 405 a couple weeks ago, and we're going to do that. I'm gonna. I'm not going to put him there. I'm going to have him actually go up a little bit higher next week. Um just just to fire up his nervous system when he's three weeks out oh so he's prepping is he i mean he's prepped for a fight we're getting close to one right now he's four weeks today oh wow awesome so yeah you're just trying to spark him a little bit before he's trying to get him up and then let him taper back down yeah so what we won't really taper down we'll keep the intensity pretty high but the volume will drop the volume will drop um and we'll get him faster, um, you know, more true plyometrics rather than like that one explosive box jump, a lot of bounding, right? Uh, multi-directional stuff. And again, just laying off, laying off the volume, right? But keeping the intensity really high. And that's something that I got from uh, Jason Gusick, who runs the conjugate tactical, which it makes sense because who was his guy. It was Eddie Wineland who also fought at 35. Right. So I get it. Like I will go back and forth with him every once in a while. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. I'll go back and forth with him every once in a while, because if Eddie was still fighting, he's going to, he's the guy that's like, no, I'm not giving any secrets away because you're a potential competition Which in the fight. That's like, I, I think that's why the fight, strength and conditioning stuff is kind of it's not out there as much it's starting to now but you're it's not like it's it's a team sport it's a team sport but an individual effort so like you're not trying to give secrets away you're there's a lot of money on the line right it's also in its infancy so like nobody even really knows yet because they've only been doing it for 30 years yeah yeah so that's another thing too fighting is literally the oldest sport it's literally the oldest sport but the the training for it, like you said, is it's a it's in its infancy, which is crazy to me. I mean, if we look at time overall, all training is in its infancy, right? Like we've only been really studying it and documenting it for what eighty years, probably. Like, yeah, yeah, we've done it for a long time, but there hasn't been a science for it. And I think that's where people get confused. Is like we're still just like fucking throwing shit against the wall and seeing what works. Yeah. Yeah, for well, sure. and then then you have the problem of well, it's not a it's not in a study, and it's like the anecdotal evidence from the coaches. We know shit ten years before they prove it in a study. Yeah, and then we're like, yeah, yeah we knew that. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for the confirmation awesome. bias. We appreciate it. Well, I mean, it just helps the numbskulls, right? Because like I don't know, I think anecdotal evidence is really powerful, but most people don't want to give it any credit because it's not a double blind placebo trial that's peer reviewed by a bunch of fucking dorks and like. Does that really matter? Because you're only talking about does it create X solution? Whereas like if I have a protocol that gives me the same result with 50 different people, I think we might be onto something. Yeah. Yeah. It, fighting is also a weird sport too, where it's like, what's the only stat that matters? Winning, baby. Winning. Exactly. So like you can you can have the most power output in the world but you still have to land a punch or a kick. You know, the skill, the skill always comes first, especially in that sport. It's a skill sport right. football, you know, and I love football, but you can, you can kind of be big, strong and fast and not really know the ins and outs of the sport and still do really well. Yep. 
One one exception to that rule, I believe, Brock Lesnar. Motherfucker is the most yeah. gifted freak in the world and got schooled in football. Yeah, he got cut from Minnesota's team multiple times. Right. Like that's crazy, right? Like, and he is so gifted physically that like, you're like, how does that even happen? Speaking of Brock yeah. Lesnar, have you seen his daughter? Yeah. Freak. <laughs> Bro. Freak. The freak of CSU. I love it. That's awesome. She's transferring out, actually. She's like, I'm out. I'm going. I'm, I'm not surprised. She beat the school record. What else does she have to do there? Right. I'm going to a bigger school. I guess I got more to prove. Yeah, that's pretty intense. I guess Frank, uh, is it Mira? 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 Frank Mira? Mira. Yeah, his daughter is also a thrower. And they're like, oh, baby, we need this fight in the cage. Get him training right now. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> But yeah, dude, she's freaking awesome. I saw the video of her throwing. I'm like, holy shit. That was cool. That was really cool. One of those things where it's like you never, you could, you would never expect somebody that big to move that fast and explosive. Right. Yeah. That's, That's how my strongman athlete is. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, how the fuck does this happen? He like can literally run with 800 pounds on his back with a yoke. I'm like, it doesn't even seem like it should be possible. No. Yeah. You wouldn't think it would be at all. No. Someone, someone, I mean, Brock Lesnar is the alpha of alphas. You know what I mean? Like, you look at that, he's like an alpha of the human species. Like, dude, dude is a freak. He's done so many things, but yeah, there's just people out there that kind of have it. <laughs> they just, they, they were blessed a little more genetically than we were. 0.01% of people is he's, really fascinating. Should like, imagine list. thinking of that too. Like, look at the rock. Who was he behind in college? Warren right. Sapp, right? Uh, that was after that, I think. Or Jason Taylor, maybe? I don't remember. He was he was behind. He was, was behind somebody. But so it's many like, good man, players. Imagine if he played. Yeah, we'd have a completely different rock. <laughs> he yeah, might, yeah. might even be the rock, you know. Yeah, I'm well, just the rock right now. Would kick the shit out of the rock from the WWE back when we were growing up. Like, they're not even the same human anymore. Yeah, steroid freak. Well, it's just like, why weren't you doing it back then? Uh, like, well, they got it for the movies, but you won't do it for the fucking They couldn't. Ring? They couldn't because there was not a, enough money. Well, no. And during that got caught during that time period, like Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and all those guys were getting tested a bunch and got caught. No, they were not. Nathan, get out of here. Those guys were juiced to the fucking gills. No, that's get what I'm saying. Here. You got Hulk over here. Take your vitamins. And the motherfucker is just I know, shredded. I know, I know. Six foot seven. But they like, were they what? were turning a blind eye to it is what I'm saying. And then like literally they were they came into the company and started testing them. And Vince was like, oh, shit. I'm not I, buying that, dude. You wouldn't have had Chris Benoit juiced. Everyone was juiced. There was not a single person that we well, watched as kids that wasn't just juiced. What about the British Bulldog? That dude looked like a motherfucking bodybuilder in the ring. Ultimate got kicked out though for it because he had he had drug he got drug tested. He got kicked. He was out. probably doing cocaine or something else. I doubt it was the steroids. Eh, watch the documentary. Like, you watch the documentary. Just, I did watch it. The the A and E one. Like yeah, those guys were doing everything they could to recover. They weren't just taking PEDs. They were doing blow and fire, you name it. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, there wasn't a testing system during that time period now there's like no there's the, not there is no testing for any sports they test in the, the wwe like, they are have you a to fucking idiot or not that's all it is well i'm saying like, if you get it's in their bylaws with drugs you're fucking retarded well yeah like, if you're not smart enough to come up with people on your team that can get you around it i agree i'm just saying that like it's in the company bylaws now because they're a public company they have to no they don't be a public company you still get to make your own goddamn rules 
Eh, the shareholders like own saying them. that the world's strongest man should have to test and like no they you know what they test for meth that's it they don't want anybody <laughs> to die on tv like they don't test for anything else well vince doesn't own Do you the remember when the nfl company? was trying to make gh the big thing to test for because they oh, God, knew they yeah. didn't want to test for steroids yeah they're like oh yeah we're gonna test for growth hormone and like yeah that's not really the performance enhancing drug that you guys are making it out to be like it definitely helps but it's not fucking trenbolone yeah or what was the one in baseball that was so big? It wasn't. They were like testing for growth hormone, but it was like, eh, it's not really. What was that one? That I mean, it helps, but it's not. It's not the performance enhancing drug that right. some of the steroids are. Like literally, trend will make you better at everything. It makes you better at processing food. It makes you stronger. It makes your nervous system better. It makes you leaner. Like it doesn't. There's not a thing that it doesn't do. It just kills you much faster. Yeah, that's like what Hoff was saying on the Elite FTS podcast. It's like, well, you must not like your life very much because it's gonna kill you. So, yeah, I, and I have all these I, stupid high school kids that are like, oh, I'm just going to jump on a trend cycle and jump on. I'm like, well, you just don't value yourself very much then if you're going to do that. Thanks, Sam Sulik. Yeah, way to go, Sam. Well, what, speaking of which, what, do you guys follow the UFC at all? Yes. That's the one what's thing the, I watch religiously the, pretty much. What's the um, stuff going on with USADA? No more. No mas. Bye-bye. So they're not testing anybody anymore they might test in some form or fashion but hopefully we're going back 10 years when we got trtv tour and shit that's what i'm hoping for yeah bring guys, back the uber reams what are your guys thoughts on on that let it fly baby yeah let's let it see fly. it let it fly i want to see the biggest freaks in the world if there's if there's if we're talking about the biggest baddest meanest fighters on the planet and they're gonna throw down and put money on the line and they want to prove that they're the biggest baddest and they're all able, they're all capable of doing this and finding these. Do it. Let's go. Let them rip. I don't think there was a more exciting time in the UFC than when you had TRTV tour and Randy Couture and fucking Uber Ream yes. and all of these people who were just juiced to the gills and their techniques started getting crazy good. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is yeah. This is deathmatch. What do you think of the lighter weight classes doing it? Yeah, let them have it. Let them have you it. Give it to the chicks too. I don't care. How much of a difference do you think it makes? I think I think COVID did. I'll get into it in a second. But how much of a difference do you think it makes? I think recovery-wise, it's huge. That's but the key like part. Performance in the ring itself—it's eh, probably not as big as people would expect. All right. So, conjugate tactile goal. One of the big things is be at ninety percent at all times, right? So, the the one thirty-five fighter that I work with—he's a little on the older side. Um, he's got a short timeline to make a good run, um, but he's got no mileage. He's got no mileage, zero injuries. I don't know how much of a difference, like taking anything, would make. Like it's it's one it's one of those things where it's like, well, the problem with fighting is it takes one punch to get caught and you're done. So you could well, juice to the gills yeah. and get ten percent better in the yeah. gym. And get caught with a kick or a fucking elbow, and it doesn't. It's over. His last fight, he threw one punch and knocked the guy out. <laughs> Literally threw one punch. Ten yep. seconds in, overhand right, and it and like looking at it in slow mo. I'll send it to you guys when we're done. But I think I mean you guys probably seen it already too. In slow mo, it looked fast. Mm-hmm. Right. I think ten years like, ago it made such it? a difference because we were in the transition from just brawling in a cage actually getting yeah. technique and those dudes that were older at that time had high levels of technique and you give them the trt and now they can perform like they're in their 20s again and so 
now it may not make as much of a difference because these kids have been training mixed martial arts since they were kids, right? Yeah. So it's going to be, I think, much less effective in the sense now because everyone is more well-rounded and they're just better at the game. Sure. But yeah, I think there can it's definitely a- be advantages to be had if you can train better and more often, though. Yeah. Right. So it just it's a, it's another tool that people could use to potentially be get better, but like any gym bro knows, it's not going to make you fucking that awesome by just doing the drugs. No. No. But what I was going to say, I think I think that COVID changed mixed martial changed the UFC specifically. Um I feel like they there's no middle ground anymore. It's either you're top 5 or you're not that great. There's not there's not much of a middle ground, and they were accepting a lot of um, fighters on short notice and getting their foot in the door during COVID. Yeah, that seems fair, but it's it also seems that they you have like undocumented gatekeepers at every weight class, right? And so like if someone is doing good, you got to fight the gatekeeper, and if you beat him, well then you can maybe get a shot. But until that happens, you're just kind of scrounging around at the bottom, grabs yeah. in a bucket style. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. But now the the technique and the skill now is at a whole nother level, though. Like, it's crazy. And then you still have people like John Jones who are fucking people up all the time. Like, that guy was so far ahead of his time that even now when the technique part has caught up, he still just owns people. Like, that guy's a different level. Yep. He's (laughs) a point one. me and my nephew watched that fight, and he's he's sitting right with me. He was like, you got to bet on John Jones submitting him in the first round. Sure enough, what happens? John Jones submits Cyril Gunn. It was so quick. I was trying to to connect my freaking card to DraftKings to do it, and for whatever reason, it was not working. Well, keep that kid around for more bets, though. So (laughs) He's got the right feeling. No kidding. But no, I think that's the thing I like about the UFC is that it's so unpredictable that like I'll watch cards that I don't know anybody on, and they end up being way better cards than I know everybody on kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I think that what you're talking about where they made the pool so big of people is kind of a cool thing now because you have the ability to, if you put in the work and you can put it together in the ring, you do have a yeah. chance of doing it. But there is a much larger pool of people and you like really need to know your shit. Yeah. Who would have thought even what was the last big one? Aspinall, right? Who would have thought he would have took the win well, over? Did you watch the card last weekend? That was the free one. It's fucking amazing. I, I it. With the kids, I don't really watch nearly as much. If it's if it's like a really big one, I'll watch it. Um, if you get some free so, time, since it's on ESPN Plus, go back and watch it. Because like that fucking Armenian dude, that was the main event. Oh, fuck. Dude, Islam might have his hands full with that guy. Uh, what is his name? Uh, I can't pronounce it. It's fucking Aram something. I, he, him I and Islam I fought in his first fight, and Islam barely won. And this dude gotcha. just went right through Benil Dariush like he was nothing. And I was like, yeah, that's I, pretty I impressive. I know who you're But yeah, there was like two knockouts from slams on that card. Like there was all kinds of crazy shit that happened on that card. Hmm. But yeah, those are the ones I kind of look forward to more now because... I've found a lot of times that overall the card ends up being better. Whereas if I don't, or if I have expectations, I'm let down a lot of times because, you know, some people will play it safe. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting, fight, training the fighters is 
different ball game. They all have so many different, just the way that they fight is so different from fighter to fighter. Nobody's the same. Um, and how you try, how you approach training them is completely different. Cause you almost like, how do you guys approach training as train the weaknesses? Yeah. Well, like with a fighter, you're not, you obviously you're training the weaknesses, but you have to train their strengths, like what they're good at in a fight. You have to always keep that in mind. Right. Keep pushing that up as you try to bring the weaknesses up with it. Yeah. But, although I only yeah. deal with mostly jiu-jitsu players, which for them, it's like, we just need to get you more aggressive and more strong because you guys are such fucking passive sissies. Yeah. With, um, with, Jiu-jitsu, do you find that they're a little less explosive and they're able to grab reps out more? Yeah, they're definitely more endurance-based in the beginning, for sure. That's why when I get them strong and they have a little bit of that explosiveness, like, and I tell them, like, teach them to be more aggressive, then they can start owning people on the mat because most jiu-jitsu practitioners get so confused with aggression. So my the 135 that I fight or that I train, I don't want to fight him. He'll, he'll destroy me. <laughs> uh, I, I'll have him do belt marches, and he cannot last. He, he's he's one of those guys that is, if a lift moves even a little bit, it's going to fly up. But the second that he's got to try and grind something out, it's it's going to be failed. Interesting. But he's more kickboxer, so super right. explosive, very twitchy. Um, but belt marches, they kick his ass. Because it's it's such a grind for him, right? When he struggles to go with ninety pounds, hmm. I feel his pain. It's okay, I get it. Yeah, fuck those belt marchers. Those things fun. suck dick. Yeah, they suck. I'm hopefully gonna go get that ATP platform tomorrow. We'll see. I like them here. A lot of the kids like them. I, those are sick individuals. Yeah, psychopaths. You better watch out for them. Don't turn your back on them, Brandon. Anything for long durations of time is terrible, especially if it feels like cardio. <laughs> how long do you guys put in um something like belt marches what's the duration i don't have anybody that has a belt squat so um i you do buy the freaking the pen then these the people are not pen. quite dedicated enough to go buy equipment for themselves yet so maybe when we get to that stage i just use a dip belt and a circular ring and then put the band through and like the laura phelps ones where she just uses the belt I use those yeah. with some of my baseball players if I'm trying to like fatigue their hips after like a sumo day or something like that. But, I can yeah. tell you after my meet, my sole focus is to get better endurance in my hips, so I'll be doing them more often. Unfortunately, yeah, we do them for two minute rounds. The fighter, I have him going for five because that's that makes sense. That's the nature of your sport, right? So, I was just talking to somebody at this practical, and they were saying that. Christian McCaffrey's training is a lot of 30 seconds on and then time off. I'm like, that makes sense. That's how the plays are. Well, no wonder that guy's so good. Um, If you guys listen to, I think it's Bird and Tony Holler. They talk about Christian McCaffrey and he's pretty much like doing that. Same, literally what you guys just said. It's That's his whole off season. Right. Off season. And then he was saying, Hey, when they go and do their conditioning test, who's in first? It's Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
when you show, really understand show. dynamic correspondence, it starts to make way more sense why you would tailor the training to mimic the energy demands of the actual sport. Right. Yep. <laughs> like that was one thing I thought Phil was really good about going in depth on is like he knows so much yeah. about the energy systems that he can tell you like, yeah, no, this is what you really wow. should be doing to get these people to be able to do this. Like, and especially with fighters, like, yeah, the five minutes of steady state is good, but sometimes maybe you need to have them do intervals in that five minute time because they're going to have yeah. to crawl and they're going to have to, you know, tangle up with other people and it's going to elevate that heart rate. Or if you're grappling and somebody's on your chest, it's fucking hard to breathe. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these different variables like that, that you have to factor in with the fighting. That's why I like training the jujitsu players so much is that it's never the same, not the same part. Yeah. Like I have a base thing where I'm like, okay, we're going to condition you guys as well as we can. So you can be on the mat as often as possible. And then once we get past that point, then we can focus on getting some strength. But if you're going yeah. to doing mat time and you're getting overuse injuries from it, well, we don't have a big enough capacity for you to be on the mat that long. So we got to fix that. Yes. So he's got a unique background because he actually fought, right? So yeah, he, has, for sure. he, he can add skill in. I'm not going to ever do that. I'm never going to do that because I have no background in martial arts. So, like, I let him do his sport conditioning and sport. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the same thing with the football players, same thing with the baseball players and basketball players that come in. I'm never going to – I'm never going to have you do something with a ball in your hand. You're never going to do something with pads on. Like, that's just it, – it makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to look the sport to translate to the sport. Ever. Right. I, I get that with jiu-jitsu athletes because I'm telling them, like, we're going to work on conditioning – and they automatically think it's on the mat conditioning. I'm like, no, no, I'm working on your conditioning to recover from being on the mat so much. Like you still have to be on the mat and get conditioned that way. There's no substitute for that, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, luckily the, the guy that I work with, he is, he's really smart. So he said something to me today. So, cause right around this time we're adding in more conditioning. Um, but he was like, yeah, uh, not yesterday, Thursday. I do it on his upper body days. Um, and that's really all he needs. He's he's like, we did a, a little circuit of some med ball slams, um, kettlebell, or not kettlebell, dumbbell cleans, and then the airdyne bike. We did a little circuit with that. When he was done, he was like, I'm recovered in a minute. And you, I'm sure that you know, working with the jujitsu fighters, that they can do jujitsu nonstop. They can go for rounds and rounds and rounds. But when it when it's conditioning that they're not used to, they're like, "Wow, this is kicking my ass." But the like, like you said, you know, little things like that here and there, them saying like, "I'm recovered in a minute after going for five with something that you're completely that's something that's completely new to you." Um, that speaks volumes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Has to. That's like my baseball player. That's like, I want to run these miles so that I can throw more pitches for longer into the game. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. You have to pitch these pitches and work up to throwing that amount of pitches so that your arm is capable of handing, handling that many pitches. You can't just go run two miles and then jump on a mound and throw 90 pitches. Like that's not, that's not how it works. And so he does, it's just hard for them to get to see that, that carryover. And it's like, well, okay, if you want to go run the mo two miles as like a way to say, hey, this is going to help me recover from day to day when I do throw, like, sure, we can do that. But the, 
two miles is just still way too unnecessary in my opinion yeah for sure how do you how do you guys explain like concepts like that to the kids <laughs> i try not to because <laughs> you don't work with a lot of kids you said alex right yeah i just talk to everyone like they should know what i'm talking about most of the time and then if they don't get it i'll just you know dumb it down from there and regress it but i don't know I have a problem with like trying to make it dumb at first. Cause like, if I don't use the correct terms that are supposed to be used, well, what the fuck am I even doing? So it's really, I don't know. It's a, uh, I have a pretty good idea of how to make it layman's terms. Like, Hey, we're going to make it so you can recover from this better. That's the conditioning we're going to do. But they'll oftentimes they hear conditioning and they think, Oh, this is going to be sports specific stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't do that here. Not the gym. Nope. Everything is sports specific at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Just, mm-hmm. Like it. Um, I think I think what I do with the kids, like sometimes they'll get down on themselves with like jumps or something like that. Um, but they'll be within like 90% of their best all the time. So I'm like, think of it like your grades. Think of it like, all right, what's a 90 in school? That's an A, right? what's an A plus 95%. And then they'll go and get like, think, get their, get their wheels turning like that. Right. Right. And then, then we'll say, all right, let's go get some extra credit. Go get a new record now. Mm-hmm. Something like, that. um, make it, making it really relatable, like get on their level. That's what I've realized yes. working with kids. Um, and again, like still taking into consideration, like, Hey, how you feel doesn't really matter, but yeah, yeah. This kid, suck it up. This kid, record. He's like his best PR is like an eighty or whatever off the mound, and he was like, he threw a bullpen session yesterday and like threw twenty five pitches, and there wasn't a pitch below seventy eight, and he was pissed off. And I'm like, he's like, I didn't throw That's an eighty great. today, and I'm like, yeah, but you had every pitch within ninety seven percent of your top value for twenty five consecutive pitches, like. That's a big win that we're con- we're raising the floor, and your ceiling's only that that far away. Like it's gonna come. Just wait. Like your your ceiling will go yeah. higher. Just be patient. Like today was not about pring necessarily. It was more about like are you hitting higher numbers more consistently for more duration? So Bring the averages up. Bring the averages up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so he still got pissed off, and I was like, okay, whatever. Like. Yeah. Oh, especially in a game of baseball where it's not just one pitch, you would think that if you're yeah. able to maintain a higher velocity for longer periods of time, right. that's a better player. What do you see when you watch most baseball games too? Like you'll see a guy run one up there, right? Like he'll run it up to a hundred, but then they'll work in that like 95 to 98 range somewhere in there. So it's like, okay, well, that's exactly what you're doing. You're just not, you're not going to PR every time. You can't just blow one out every pitch. Or you're gonna last you're, unless you're a reliever. You can't PR every time. What are you talking about? If you're a reliever, you might you be able to. In? You know, because <laughs> then you're you're just like coach is like, hey, go go throw 20 pitches and literally throw as hard as you can because you get to those relievers are at a different level nowadays. They're throwing hundreds pretty consistently. Yeah, yeah, but starters don't do that a whole lot. I mean, average major league well, fastball is 95.4 right now. So it's like the difference between sprinters and long distance runners. Right. We're talking about two different animals here. Exactly. Perspective's good. Well, Brandon, we've had like, we're at like an hour and a half right now. Is there anything that you want to talk about or shout out or anything you want to plug or tell the people 
uh, while you still have this platform to do so. Uh, shout, out, shout out the podcast that you're going to create. I don't even. <laughs> you got to. Yeah. He's like, no, it's, it's too I'm going full Joe Rogan with this. Everyone we get on here, I'm just going to start telling you, you need a podcast. Like, I get it now. I get why he tells everyone this. It's fucking yep. awesome. It's probably yeah. the coolest thing I do every week. No, it's, it's, I got a, st- I've got a lot of brainstorming and just obviously, do it. Yeah. Brainstorming doesn't mean do shit if you don't do it. I got to do it for sure. Yeah. Done is better than picked. Just um, do it. No, just fight. If you, if you, uh, if you need any setup questions or like how I do mine or how like I do all the whatever the graphics and stuff, just shoot me. Don't be afraid. Like send me questions. I'll, I'll try to answer. If whatever anyone that ever listens to this needs help setting up a podcast, Nathan runs a consultation service for the low, low price of his hourly rate. So seven trillion dollars. No, no. But seriously, well, if you need help, I just I just gave you a new business, Nathan. So enjoy that. <laughs> I would love to do that. But allegedly you need seven streams of income to get rich. But just, Hermosi makes a good point. That's only after you've used one to get a lot of money. Right. No. Um, if you're in Connecticut, go to uh, uh, Mohegan Sun on January 6th. That's about it. That's that's when my guy is fighting. So There you go. Other is that an that, Indian reservation? Uh, is, that, is that where he's fighting at? Is that how that works? Nice. I remember when it used to only be that for a short while. Like The UFC was not allowed to be on TV because they started here in Denver where there's no fucking sanctioning body and they're like yeah we're just gonna have human cage fighting and then after two of them denver's like hey we can't do this anymore and then indian reservation started popping up because there's no rules on those nope no rules no teams i think bellator well pfl just bought bellator right or was okay. it the other um, i don't know i think the ufc owns all of them and they're just a parent company is that not how it works no idea no idea but anyways yeah, think, they yeah. They fought out of one of the casinos in Connecticut. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, well, I bet those that, are fun events to go to. Yeah. Do you like going? Do you get to go to them? Or you just get yeah. to watch from home? You, you get to go? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in his corner. Oh, nice. Heck yeah. So that's got to be a fun experience. The adrenaline you feel has got to be through the fucking roof, huh? It's, it's a whole different animal, like going to, going to see somebody that you, like, I see him every week. Right. So it's like it's it's a different experience. You can't I can't even explain it. I would go to my nephew's wrestling tournaments and everyone loses their fucking shit at those things. Like it is <laughs> yeah, the most unhinged do. fucking out of pocket experience crazy. that anybody who thinks they're Imagine. normal has probably needs to go check out because I think it's awesome. Yeah. I love it and I love those people, but normal people are like, What the fuck is this? Yeah. It's it's terrifying to go and watch, but because you don't want to see your guy get hurt. You don't sure. want to see your but when he knocks somebody out in 10 seconds, it's like, what the fuck just happened? Okay. Going to the casino, folks. Someone put 100 yeah. on black. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. But, well, no, other that, it's been great. Thank you. Yeah, man. We'll we'll link your stuff on the or your Instagram in the, in the description below, and we'll shout you out on um, Instagram and post this and tag you and get all this out here, man. If you guys haven't already, go follow Brandon on Instagram, go check out what he's doing. Making making some freaks. His pictures are always funny. They like up close PRs of all these. Next time he's on here, he's gonna have the Connecticut version of IMG up and running and just have nothing but freaks. There we go. Oh, that the, would be the Connecticut Freak Factory. 
<laughs> yeah, we already got the Michigan free factory. Now we need a Connecticut. Just you and Waffle need to go in together and just build if like all a, of you guys would just make a network Mike, of gyms yeah. around the country. You could just fucking create. You got a freak. We'll make them even better. Don't worry. You could have like, you know, Michigan, Texas. You could maybe throw California in there. I'd no. go Nevada instead, but no, they don't count. We're not, no, we're not you could cover all four four areas of the country and just fucking start funneling kids through it. The freaks are built. We build them. Yeah, freaks are us. I love it, Brandon. <laughs> thanks for giving us some of your time on a Saturday, man. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you, sir. Guys, absolutely. Have a good one, man. You guys do a great job. Thank you. See you, dude.